1: Hey, everybody, welcome to Life with Chris and Tatum. So glad you guys are joining us today. Chris and I are the pastors of Life Fellowship Church here in McKinney, Texas, and we always count it an honor um, when you take the time to sit down and listen. So for those of you who don't know, Chris is actually out of town. He is traveling, doing ministry um, in India and in Bangladesh, so he's not joining me today. But, I'm so excited to tell you, um I have a special guest. I'm so happy uh, to welcome my dear friend Deborah. Disanyaki is here with me on the podcast. Do you want to say hello? Debra? Hello, everybody. Deborah and her husband Michael. Um, they're part of Life Fellowship family. And um, Deborah is somebody who I deeply admire, have so much respect for and, Um, I was so excited that she said yes to sit down and just share a little bit of her journey with the Lord. The wealth of wisdom and um, passion that I can truly say I see in the heart of Michael and Deborah is inspirational for me and for so many people who know them. So I um, wanted just for you guys to get to hear a little bit from her and talk a little bit about her journey and What the Lord has done in her and Michael's life, the way that He has used them, they're um, really an inspiration. So I'm going to really ask some questions, but we're going to have just a fun conversation hearing from um, really what I would say is like a legend in the faith. So um, thanks for being here, Deborah.
0: (laughs) No, it's it's fun. It's an honor Mm -hmm.
1: for me to uh, get to spend this time with you and really, for those of you listening, we'll see um, and hear quite, uh, quite the, what I would consider, miraculous journey. The Lord has done many amazing things in you and Michael's life. I know some of the roles that you uh, have been a part of, but haven't really, I would love for you to explain them more. I know you guys were pastors, missionaries. You've led, what I would say, is it right to say globally, um, leading other pastors of nations,
0: Well, mentoring. I'd say mentoring.
1: Mentoring. Okay. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about, um, like, you and Michael. If we just start from the beginning. Yeah. How long have you guys been married?
0: 42 years.
1: 42 years.
0: We have two children. Um, one lives in New Zealand and one lives here in McKinney, which is such a awesome. blessing. Mm.
1: You have girls, right? Daughters. Yeah,
0: two. Yep, yeah, two girls and five grandchildren, ranging from seventeen to nine years.
1: Oh wow! Okay, mm. and some are here and some are. Two are in- here
0: and three of the the middle three are in uh, New Zealand itself. Okay. Mm.
1: So, um, tell us a little bit about. Um, how long you guys have been in ministry? When you first got married, were you serving in yes. ministry?
0: Michael had been three years working with Assemblies of God in Sri Lanka. Okay. He was a national youth leader. Ah. And from there, he shifted cities and he became an associate pastor. Then a few years, I'm, I don't, you yeah, don't exactly. need the details, right? <laughs> Just But
1: the, in Sri Lanka, and that's where oh, Michael's yes, from. All in
0: Sri Lanka, Correct? Yes. Okay, yes, yes. So. Then from there, he came on to the executive committee, but very much involved in church planting from that position. And then in leadership, he was the secretary, then he was the vice chairman, then eventually the chairman. Of the Assemblies of God? Yes.
1: Okay, for the nation?
0: For the nation. Wow, okay. So within that role, he would do a lot of travel um, to Southern Asia first and then we have contacts around the world, people that are friends from New Zealand, mm-hmm. from Bible school. And so he would get lots of invitations. So he would then go to Africa and do or participate in church meetings. Yep. Then, it, then it grew to so where he would be the speaker for conferences. Okay. Then that also happened for Europe, so Southern Asia and Africa. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, bear, all over. Yeah, all over, and so he'd be gone sometimes six weeks at a time because you can imagine that amount of travel. You just you can't do yeah. quick trips. So he has an absolute passion for pastors. Yeah. So within that, because we're on this topic, right? Yeah. So the passion is that he would see people develop to their full potential. That they would be thinking about unreached people groups, yeah. church planting, all came into that. And then prayer. And then very recently in the last couple of years, a real focus on revival. Because when there's a revival in the heart, then people are motivated for evangelism and missions. Yes. So right now, um, what he does in Southern Asia, his his real heartbeat is to change the focus from Southern Asian nations being a receiver Mm -hmm. to being a giver. Wow! Yeah. So to tr- to teach, train, and release um, national missions departments yes. leaders, and. Yes, it's in an individual church motivating someone to go, but you you have to have some organization to do it really in a constructive way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you partner together. You don't want the same people or three or four churches all doing or sending people to the same unreached people group. Yeah,
1: sure. A plan in place.
0: Yeah, a plan. So it's all part of that. So his heart is to train those leaders, help release them, and by that way, you multiply what you're doing. Yeah,
1: I love it. Okay, yeah. I love it. I want to. Um, I'm I have so. I feel like there are so many questions. Mm. Uh, I would love to ask you. Um, what I feel like you guys are going to hear today is a is a perspective that really sh- stretches our minds, our way of thinking. When I say ours, I'm speaking from like American culture perspective, mm-hmm. right? Because we yep. have one way of seeing through the lens of church as we know it versus what your experience has been being a Christian in a, in a regions where you are the minority, where there is such a small group of other believers and what life kind of looked like, what experience experiences you had, how that impacted just day to day living for you. Are there any like, Stories, not to put you on the spot, Deborah. Just we're just talking, like day to day living. How that was different when you think um, living in Sri Lanka, or uh, what other places have you have you guys lived since you've been married?
0: Uh, well, <clears throat> small amounts of time in New Zealand. Okay. Yes. Um, then we've when we've traveled. So we didn't really live in countries, but we've traveled yeah. together in Europe and yes. Australia and here in, in America. So. We're very exposed. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, we we know lots of people from different parts of the world. And the same for our kids. They were fantastic. They would, if we were busy and we had visitors, they were the tour guides. Yeah, yeah. And um, just a small funny story. One of them, they uh, said, hey, your kids know their way around town. And I said, really? Yeah, they know where the ice cream shop is.
1: So (laughs) I'm like, okay. They can get you there. Important things,
0: right? (laughs) Yes. so... Yeah, lots of visitors, lots of teams. And honestly, when a team comes to visit you in another nation, they go away changed. Yeah. Because that, that very thing that you're talking about, uh, I used to have a little phrase for myself, I'm a cultural orphan. Mm. Wherever you I go think. and you get adopted, you have to look in. And I can remember that, you know, my very first trip to Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. being so overwhelmed by you name it, the culture, the food, the climate. Mm. How and old were
1: you when you first I was 21. Ah. Mm. And were you and Michael married then? No. Okay. We were engaged, but
0: nobody knew it.
1: Oh. It was like an
0: incognito visit. That sounds like a story, a fun yeah, story. Yeah, that's another story for another day. <laughs> and um, But I lay on the bed being so overwhelmed. I was staying in a missionary's home. And I can just say, God, can I do this? And the Holy Spirit just just dropped in my heart, Deborah, one thing you can do. Just stop comparing this place to home. Now that that's the problem. Yeah. Just don't do that. So just go in and go, Oh, that's different. That's new. What can I learn? That was a game changer for me. Um, and having breakfast with the missionaries, I said, Do you know what? When I was having my quiet time this is what the holy spirit said and she said that took me two years to learn that lesson (laughs) wow so it's this very small thing but yeah when god takes you to a place so whatever even god's doing in the lives of people that are listening you just have to be aware things are different Mm -hmm. and the problem only comes because your scales can't do it yeah it's different embrace it Don't think how you could do it better. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself the question, why do they do it differently? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And learn.
1: I love that. So applicable to people who. Anywhere. Yeah. And not even necessarily about travel, but I just think when you find yourself in a circumstance in your own life that you never thought
0: Mm. you would see I'm Mm. here,
1: here I am. Yes. The problem really comes when we begin comparing with what our expectation was versus what reality is. Yes. And what can I learn right now, Jesus, in my reality? What are you wanting to teach me versus I wish it was different. I thought it would be different. I'm so disappointed that's not how I expect it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, I do. Wow. Yeah. That that was was my first introduction. Um, And then if if, if we move on, um, of course, there's a lot in between, but... Food was a huge thing. Um, we decided to start a family soon. I was so lonely, right? Loneliness yeah. is something just because there was nobody of your own. I had yeah. Michael. But, hey, we'd only been married three months. Okay. So this is a new learning And you're path. in Sri Lanka now yeah. when you're married.
1: How yeah. many years were you there, Deborah? Do you know? Most uh, of, In
0: total, in yeah. total, forty over 40.
1: Oh, wow. Over 40 so years. So you... You also speak the language I, don't
0: know I can speak singular called. but not fluently okay. I understand a lot okay but uh, you know preaching and and, and talking is different because speaking is very colloquial, so I can have a conversation mm-hmm. but and I can under you know you you get just enough to get confused
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what's the name of the language singular Singala.
0: okay. and then there's Tamil english mala um um Sorry, Malay. But, um, yeah, the majority speaks Singhala. Okay. So, um, yeah. But, but again, because of the British influence, a lot of people speak English. Oh, okay. And so when I'm trying to learn, sometimes I would try and talk, and i go, I understand English. Talk yeah. to me in English. <laughs> no, don't try and learn Singhala on me. I'm like, okay. I offended them by, oh. you know, so... That was a shock to me. I, I thought, you know, but others would be thrilled. Yeah. But sometimes they weren't. So, hey, uh, uh, you're so learning. Many things to you're get adapted. You are learning to walk that path. Yeah. And um, so within that, there, there were the language difficulties. Yeah. But Sri Lankans are friendly, they're kind, um, and they're helpful. Yes. Very different to India, yeah. I must say.
1: So your girls were raised there in Trilonga? and raised there. And you said you had kids young. How old were you when you had no, your first? I was first 22.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And they're 18 months between them. Okay. Not because we planned it well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> probably because we didn't plan well, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but that was great, great because they had each other. Sure, I, I, yeah. It's a lovely, lovely gap because they're not too much that they can't play together. Sure. It's a great gap. I Fun. love it. Fun. I mm. love it.
1: So you speak a few languages. We talked about that. Um, what are some of the other differences you would say between Sri Lankans and, or just living there and being in America? Anything that's interesting that people might like to hear about? For example, I know right now, while Chris is in, or when he he was in India last week, now is in Bangladesh. When he preached, wherever he was, the speaking, he had to remove his shoes. He only could speak with with no shoes on, just a cultural difference within the church, right? Yeah. Is there anything interesting like that that you can think of off the top of your head? that?
0: That's very—well, um, again, it's cultural. And while we look at it as being, is that kind of like a law? No. You have to understand why something is done. And so it's out of reverence. Yes. I'm standing and I'm preaching God's Word Therefore, I will take my shoes off like Moses did before the burning bush. So you just understand why. And eventually, to try and sort this out of my brain, to work it all out, because you uh, have—we work with Assemblies of God, but different denominations have traditions. Mm. So you've got to work out what's a tradition, what's a culture, what's biblical. So you have those three things in the mix— So Michael and I, we just pull back and go, you know what? We're a family of two cultures. Let's be biblical. Mm -hmm. So just being aware you're visiting a church. You know what? If all the ladies cover their head with their sari, Does it make any difference? No. Out of respect for them, I will cover my head. Sure. So there were practices. Generally, in the singular churches, I have never seen them take off their shoes. Oh, okay. Never. Okay. But in Tamil churches, yes. Yes. Okay. Again, it depends on the background of your congregation. So if you've got a lot of Hindu people that have come and they've got saved, well, a Hindu Hindu priest – sorry. They take off their shoes in a temple. Ah. So those are traditions and cultural things. So you just don't make a deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's out of
1: respect, right? It's if it's not unbiblical,
0: let's just be respectful of what's biblical, what's not, and just run with whatever. So there are other things like the first haircut or when you build a new house. So the superstition or superstitious aspect of Hinduism and Buddhism, there will be certain things they do. So what we've done is just said, okay, we will come, we'll have a prayer meeting. Yeah. We'll sing some choruses and we'll welcome the Holy Spirit in. You when they build a new house. When they build a, a new point? house, okay. when a new baby is What's born. What's the thing
1: with the haircut? What would you? What is a little?
0: No, the first haircut haircut is a big deal
1: for 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 a a child.
0: child, Yes, it's a very big deal. A lot of that's to do with horoscopes and auspicious times. Okay. So,
1: so even the Christian culture, in some ways, has uh, you're saying Christians that you know would take that significance of a haircut and do it in
0: their culture, or just the, the Christians themselves may not be worried about it but they may have family members that are not Christians. Yes. So now they're going to be very upset and think that's going to be bad luck or bad karma or whatever. Okay. So why would you want to just cause family problems? Yeah. yeah. Say, look, we are not going to do... Um, something unbiblical. But let's celebrate this auspicious day. This little fellow has a head full of hair, and you want to say, hey, Lord, this child is yours. So we'll dedicate the kid. We'll do a first haircut, but we will give thanks to God for his life, that he has a future. And the relatives are happy. They've done something. Nice. Because even culturally, celebrations um, are very, very important. Yeah, of course. So you just... It's not unbiblical, you know, it doesn't contradict a b- biblical stance. Yeah. So d- don't, don't go messing around with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I love it. Yeah. Because in so many ways, it would be offensive to say, I'm not going to, you know, if Chris were to say that, or actually, Deborah's husband, Michael's on the trip with Chris, if they were to go against what the church is asking them to do and come on, just take your shoes off if you're going to preach. No big deal.
0: Exactly. No it, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I want to dive in a little bit um, if we can go beyond the questions about family and culture and talk a little bit like about just some of your personal journey and your faith um, with the Lord. And I would love to have you share some stories with us. I know you and I have spent time together and I've been privileged to hear some of the incredible ways the Lord has protected you, some of the amazing ways God's provided for you, some, you know, just like. Over the years, I feel like you've seen so many miraculous things that a lot of Christians and a lot of people, maybe you're not even a believer and you're listening today, don't even know that God is still working in these ways because they haven't seen the things that your eyes have seen. So um, I I jotted something down um, about what I think of the life that you've lived and called it the life of mustard seed faith, because I think of you digging and planting and watering and yep. digging and planting and watering over and over and over and over again. Forty something years of living by faith and seeing the Lord do uh, amazing things. So, if you could talk a little bit about like what have been some of your either the greatest joys um, or even the greatest struggles, just maybe a maybe an example, maybe. Uh, something that comes to mind when you think about the highest of the highs or the lowest of lows in, um, in the last 40 years? <laughs>
0: yeah, wow. Um, for me personally, the thing that has got me through is the fact that I know the Holy Spirit is with me and that if I listen, I can have thoughts that are from God or birthed Mm -hmm. by God. I don't like to say God spoke to me Mm -hmm. because if you're saying that, it's like how how can you critique that? How can you say to someone, well, I actually have you thought of Mm -hmm. this, this, and this? So in a personal way, we hear from God, but I believe it is just a thought that God Mm -hmm. drops in our heart that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you have a choice to be obedient, yeah. and then God will give you more thoughts. Yes. But he's not going to keep talking to you if you don't listen Yeah, and that sign of listening. Like so that. how that has worked out, one of the highs in my life, I was home with my girls, and this particular morning, now they would have been three or four, I can't honestly remember, but they were little, and the Holy Spirit just dropped in my heart, go down the corner to a, and visit a lady who lived five minutes from me, and I'm having this argument with myself, she's not home, she works. And this thought keeps coming mm. and it's getting more and more urgent. And I'm like, this is stupid. The lady's not home. Yeah. And then again, the thought comes, what have you got to lose, Deborah? Your pride or you could be obedient. Does it really matter if she's not home? Yeah, wow. Does it really matter? Why aren't you going? And mm. I'm like. Oh, that's not my thought. That's a God thought. Yeah. I just immediately left the house, walked, and knocked on the door. And honestly, I did not expect an answer. I'm telling you, I thought this is such a random thought. Yeah. The door was opened by a domestic, and she said, in Singalese, pastor's here, pastor's here. Come, come, come. Great urgency. I walked in. There was this lady on the bed in labour. She would have been only if, I don't even remember exactly, but just seven months. Oh, That's my about goodness. It. Oh, my goodness. And I just looked at her and I said, oh, what's happening? And her eyes fixed on me. She said, Pastor Debbie, she said, I pray God give me a sign that oh. my baby's going to live. It's not going to die. She said, seeing you like seeing an angel. Oh. Can you I tell you what, I my heart, I feel tearful just telling the story. My heart, I was like, if I hadn't just done all, all God asked me to do was walk out of my house and go to her home. Nothing else. Yeah. So, I prayed for her. Sweet. And um, there was nothing. Honestly, it was just a prayer, please. That's all it was. The key was she knew that God Mm. had heard her. Yeah. That I heard. I came, yes. and she knew that God answered. So long story, but they, they get, managed to get a taxi because they didn't have a car. And the doctor told her later on, this baby is the youngest baby to survive in my prenatal unit. Oh, my goodness, I mean,
1: Deborah.
0: what a joy. Yeah. What a joy.
1: How I sweet. do not want to
0: say that that child wouldn't have survived. Yeah. But... That mother needed sure to know the reassurance. The reassurance, and the point yes. was, she was in no position to even. She's in labor. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: She can't get a God thought right. Yeah, yeah. But she needed a sign from God, yes. and the fact that I listened, I was that sign. I love it. So that was that is one of my highs. What Honestly, a great story. it was so, so precious. So. I could tell we don't have time today to tell all the stories but every story that I have is because I had a God thought mm. and I was obedient. Mm. Now I know that if I haven't wasn't obedient. So whether it's yeah. something from the word, whether it's from a sermon, whether it's from a song or whether it's something random. Yeah. Yeah. What it does it calls there's a scripture that says in Psalms, I think 40 or 42 there, deep calls to deep. Yes. When you have a deep abiding relationship with God, the Holy Spirit can call upon it yes. because you've got the ability to recognize it. no, this is not my thought. Mm-hmm. This is something mm-hmm. God has given me. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I yeah. love that. So that's a high. Um, okay, lows. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of those too. There's great sadness, right, when when you see civil war and when you're ministering to people that um, have experienced. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't. I know nothing sadness. about yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, because we had so thirty years so many of ways. civil war. Wow, thirty
0: years, honestly, wow. and like happening um, around you, war within no, no, your community, um, people that uh, you. Okay, so. Uh, The island of Sri Lanka is not very big. So most of the war was in the north. Okay. But there was always the fear of a bomb going off in a bus or in a building or any of these particular things. yes. And um, so when people... Coming to terms with the grief of knowing that someone's lost their life, or a pasture is under attack and there's not a thing you can do about it, oh or they lose their home, it gets burned down. I mean, those, this is those...
1: very real, like oh, regularly happening in those thirty years when you were there. Oh yes,
0: yes, yes, very much so. And so you 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 can't lose hope in God, and sometimes uh, uh, some of the thoughts that that have kept me going is one day the Holy Spirit just said to me, not quite in this context, but men make mistakes, but I intervene. Mm. We have to look for the intervention of God. We have to look for the hand of God. So when things go wrong, often you want to jump to the conclusion, it's the judgment of God, you must have sinned. No, people do dumb, stupid things. Yeah. So and true. maybe not even you. You can be the victim yeah, if someone of somebody else's choice. tragedy. And their, their, their action leads you to a tragedy. So you have to be able to pull back and just literally dump it at the cross. Mm. I mean it. When it tells you in Hebrews, it, it, it says, we come to a God who's not unsympathetic. Mm, and we yes. grasp on for grace and mercy at the throne of God. Yes. You have to learn to do that with sorrow. Yeah. And there's so many times I've had to do that. And then the hope of God fills your heart. What you can't do, he can do. So, good. so many of them. So a personal tragedy in my own life, um, uh, you know, maybe another time, I don't know. But I had cancer. And in that, that was very disappointing. It was a lot of questions in my life. Mm. But the the key note in that, that the Holy Spirit said to me was this, the devil is not out to kill you and to destroy you, but your potential in God. Mm. Wow, that's so good. Well, that turned me around. Wow. It turned me around because I was having a pity party. Yeah. Believe me. But that one thought, sure. okay? Yeah. So I would just encourage, I know our time is up. You know, anyone listening and you're struggling through something, ask yourself a question. Is this about a challenge to whom I can be, whom God wants me That's to be? That's so good. Do Emma. I have to really hang in there and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to be obedient, I'm willing to change, to surrender to you. If yeah. I need to repent, I need to repent. But if I need to go, hey, wait a minute, and and just... God by the grace and the mercy and rebuke the devil hey do it yeah because it's not really about you at all yeah it's
1: about the, the potential. potential you
0: can change someone's eternal destiny
1: oh, amen that's so good amen wow okay do we have a I know we have like three or four more minutes okay because <laughs> okay. I just love hearing the way that the Lord spoke spoken to you I know he still mm. does and so many um so many great nuggets of truth just having you talk but that's so good when i think about the enemy um being after the potential or just getting you to disqualify yourself or to oh, yeah. lose the hope in your future or in your in the destiny that god has yeah. for you um i think what you're spot on and just encouraging people right now because I know that so many of you who are listening, you know, right, we all go through struggles, difficult times oh, where you yeah. just think, is life. this how it's gonna be? Is this how it has to be, Lord? Is this the the life I'm called to live? And we can get in this in this frame of mind where yeah. we're thinking, feeling really sorry for ourselves, really dismal about our situation. You're losing the ability to to have hope. Exactly. Mm. And so, um, let's just talk for a minute. Can we, to, to those of you who are listening about, um, how to go forward when you feel completely hopeless, when you feel like, what are some things? Cause when I think about you being in Sri Lanka, right, Debra, away from probably a lot of your family, away from what felt familiar you had children early because you're saying I'm like we're well, alone I- we want to have like someone a part of this life with us beautiful way of you know having kids and bringing them into the world but when you when you feel yourself so in such despair or in such hopelessness really the ability to turn to the Holy Spirit the ability to turn to the Lord when you often felt like maybe there's not a sister here a mom a, you know someone that you could depend on in that way maybe your husband was traveling in a way like i can imagine so many scenarios throughout your life where you must have felt very alone yeah and i think that's the perfect place for us to really lean into the our relationship with the lord in the lonely times in the hard times and see that he is faithful oh yeah that he is present that that you know the enemy wants you to believe that you are alone, that you're the only one fighting this fight, that no one will understand. You know, when he can isolate us as believers and make us believe that, you can't open up, you can't talk about it. There's no, you know what I mean? That, that lie over and over that I think so many Christians get in the rut of believing. Yeah. I'm all alone and it's like, I feel like giving up. What would you say to somebody
0: I have been in that place even very recently, and I can remember reading Hebrews 11, wonderful chapter, and just literally crying and going, God, I don't have any faith. I'm just not getting that Mm. right now. And feeling so guilty. Hello, I have been serving you for 42 years. I can't find my faith right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Looking in. And the Holy Spirit gave me this most encouraging thought. So please, this is not a Bible school theology thought, okay? <laughs> this is just plain old Deborah. And what the Holy Spirit said Deborah, faith for you right now is seeing what you're not experiencing. Mm, now, I say it again faith is seeing what you're not experiencing. Okay. Because we like to believe so what we good. can see, right? Yes. So yes. I pulled back and I thought, "What do I see? I see what God's word says." Yes. Okay. So I'm not experiencing it. My leg is not being healed. I'm not seeing things in Sri Lanka change the way I want them to. But my faith sees it because I believe God's word. There you go. Honestly, it was a. It 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 took away, or how can I say it? Put a it put the water of the word. Put out the fire of depression. Mm. And I mean, you know I yeah. had a rough patch. So good. And honestly, faith is just you have to see what you're not experiencing. Yeah. It's not based on what you experience. It's not based
1: on what you see it's in not. the natural, but going back to the word of God. What
0: do you see in God's word? See that. Yes. That's what faith is about. It's seeing that and believing that.
1: That's so, so good. So I leave that thought with you. I love it. Okay. I love it. Well. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. This has been um, a wonderful time together. And thanks to all of you who are listening. I hope that you'll take um, this podcast, if you know of someone, you're friends with somebody who's struggling, and you send them a link, you know, share it, um, spread the word, and let's be encouraged by um, what God's word said and what God's done. Uh, in your life so I hope you guys have a great week join us uh, we'll be back next week Chris will be here and uh, thanks for listening have a good one bye bye bye